0: everyone, welcome back to Something in the Crumb. I am Winsong Kim and I'm Kim Wen. And we are so excited. I mean, we say this every episode, but we, lo- <laughs> we love it all equally. I mean, except for one spring night. We, we don't know about that one. Um, but anyway, we are so excited to be talking about Search www. With you today. A gem that Kim found. My God. Via the internet. Oh. (laughs) Which was very appropriate. I mean, of all the dramas that we've seen during the pandemic, and we have watched a lot.
1: Have we watched a lot? (laughs) We watched watched a lot of content for you listeners.
0: (laughs) This is by far by far the gold standard we cannot recommend this enough
1: yes we absolutely loved it um we might even do three episodes on the show yeah. that's how much we liked it
0: minimum there will be two but we're thinking there's so much to talk about that there might be three
1: yes and i think that it's There are so many elements to the show that um, it's as if it was listening to us this whole time (laughs) about the kinds of characters that we wanted to see, um, the kind of approaches to particular storylines. It feels very contemporary. Um, The show itself was released in 2019, I believe. -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But definitely, a lot of the topics that are being addressed, in particular in relationship to the internet and yeah. ethics and digital content, um, all of that feels uh, just as equally relevant now as it did last year and even before that.
0: Absolutely. Um, so to set up the show, this show is about a world in which only women work. So
1: basically... <laughs> <laughs> Men are basically holograms. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs>
0: um, as a, So there are two um, search engine companies. Um, one is called Barrow, like B-A-R-R-O, and the other one is called Uni- Unicorn,
1: right? Is, that is, how it, is it Unicorn or Unicorn? Because Sorry. I do think that we will have to address this later when we talk about translations, but even in the show itself, it is referred to as Unicorn, but then somebody one character continuously refers to it as unicorn and I don't know what's happening.
0: So one of them, I mean, honestly, I think it's much nicer if it was called unicorn, but you know, we're, it's yes. unclear.
1: They're we all, can call whatever we want. Yeah, I mean, it's a show. So.
0: One is borrow. So that's all you have to know. The other one is, <laughs> and in Korean, it's like paddle, um, which I think like, I think there's like a play on words with that because, like, you could sort of say that it's a play on, like, the notion of doing something the right way, right? Uh,
1: that makes perfect yeah. sense,
0: yes. So, because um, in Korean, like, when they say, like, oh, it's what Paddle would do, like, the way that it's almost set up is, like, it, the borrow way would be, like, the right way, like, the correct way. Uh, yeah. So, um, that's the way that the two companies are set up their unicorn or unicorn um is a matriarchal empire
1: finally finally (laughs) even though we hate empires doesn't matter
0: not a co-op but it's like only women work there in all the leadership positions you see men sometimes but it's like they're not in senior management like from they barely
1: even talk like 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 it's like i think that you get to like Episode Four, maybe five <laughs> like but it's basically it's like, like it's this is a universe in which it's just not even a question that like women run everything and and unicorn is just like, yeah, you keep going up higher up the ladder, and it's just more women,
0: more women, yeah, so they make all the decisions, um but because this is a. Uh you know, a neoliberal corporation, they're all evil, like all of them, the CEO, the executive director. And then we have our main character, um, eventually, Tammy, because her Korean name is Tammy, <laughs> essentially, Tammy, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. We'll explain that, that, that in a second, who is essentially put up to be like a sacrificial lamb in this like political sham trial. And then is fired for a, for like standing up for herself um, yeah
1: well, and taking the fall
0: and taking the fall
1: taking the fall for some um, I mean I don't know do we call it illegal it's technically illegal <laughs> um, or it's baseline unethical uh, the deletion of a search term that comes up in these like search rankings because um politically could damage um uh a candidate for prime minister
0: yes prime or minister? President yes. or something
1: yes. yeah. and and that basically the one of the higher-ups um at unicon uh her mother-in-law runs um KU. yeah well i don't know what ku group is though it's like a media corporation it's, of some kind.
0: it's essentially like a conglomerate So, like, it does everything. And I think that, like, it is really playing off of this, like, you know, like, Samsung and Hyundai and LG. They don't just make cars. They make, like, washing machines and, like, everything, right? So, I I think it's, like, her mother-in-law represents, like, she's, like, the head of this, like, multinational conglomerate. um, And... She is interested in the search engine business because she thinks that it can be leveraged for her political connections, and that's just how she's been using um this business essentially that's she's been fucking with it for this reason
1: yes, and she has a vested interest in a particular candidate, and when something comes up in the search uh the search query about or the search results about um something that could harm this candidate in some way. Um, It's the call is made to basically have this removed before it catches on. And our lead character, Tammy is not okay with this because she's like, you cannot delete this. And there's a whole, um, and we'll talk about this, I think maybe more in depth in a future episode, but this idea about the ethics around around information on the internet around the search and how it's constructed by the people by the public it belongs to the public and that by manipulating it you are then you know entering into propaganda you're entering into this kind of like surveillance and censorship like you know all of these things and she feels it's completely unethical to do this and tries to stand up and say that you know no you can't um they go ahead and they delete it anyway which then precipitates this trial and all of this other stuff that then they basically throw tammy under the bus and uh she has to then she basically loses her job um at unicorn yeah and because you know show would not be complete without an exciting rivalry of some kind immediately borrow is like hey tam come on over you know Come on to the fun office and let's, like, why don't you rebuild your life over here?
0: Right. So, Embaro is this company where it turns out we received this pro tip from my brother that it's based on an existing company um, in Korea called Watcha, I guess? Watcha Play? Watcha Play. Um, and so, Barrow is a company. It's not a matriarchal empire. It's, there's a useless man named Brian who walks around <laughs> with a ukulele and tells everyone. literally
1: re- is, yes. Um, he, had, he couldn't have a better name. There's just a useless man named Brian.
0: Yeah, literally. Well, okay, so we should not get to, too far ahead. But, like, it's not run by a woman who's evil. It's just run by like a guy who's not that interested in work and like plays the ukulele, which is like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's more evil actually, but the,
1: we've been asking this question <laughs> for many episodes. now. What? Same question. Same thing. We're still asking.
0: Yeah, it. We're like, do you want to have lunch with your boss during your, your boss?
1: Named Brian. Yeah. Or do you want to be abused yeah. by your boss in a pantsuit? But she's a woman. <laughs>
0: Um, so the company ethos is that everybody takes on an English sounding name in order to alleviate some of the hierarchical, um, the hierarchy of calling someone, not just by their Korean name, but then by the title that would follow after. So like,
1: so no one's like director Tummy,
0: Yeah. People are just yeah. But like but everyone still speaks to everyone else in the formal and I think this is also because um, in a more normalized corporation maybe some of the senior management would be able to speak casually like in the informal to like the people who work below them and like basically no one can do that at Barrow. Everyone has to have a white name and or whitish sounding name and speak in the formal.
1: Well, and what's really funny is that um one of the younger employees I think says to Tammy like can you just when we're out of the office, can you just like call me by like, my real name? <laughs> like, like can you like not call me like Jenny or whatever? <laughs>
0: like, yeah I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so um <laughs> I'm like, we thought a little bit about like, yeah, so like part of this, like the environment of this corporation is that like it does this, everyone dresses super casually, people have tattoos. Like you see, like, it's like a United Colors of Benetton ad in there. Like you see all kinds of people, like not just Koreans. It looks like everyone's having fun. It turns out you're still, like, working 72-hour shifts and, like, at the hospital with a bloody nose. And, like, that scene was, like, so intense. But, like, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, Borrow is very similar to, um, like, our publishing house in Romance mm. is the bonus book, you know, where they're <laughs> – and it comes out later, I think, more about this, but it's not as if that they are – like, just slacking off, even though there are a lot of scenes of people, and even the office is, like, open concept, and there's, like, a lot of, like, I don't know, like, foosball and, like, junk, you know, kind of around to make it seem as though everyone's having a good time, and this is a casual office, um, but everyone there works a lot of overtime, and, uh, like, there are several instances in which they're like, well, we're gonna be here all night, or whatever, and... They're just as equally kind of uh, exploited. exploited, you totally. know, through their work. It's not any different in that way. But I think that like it does speak to the general like um, corporate culture, you know, the difference in corporate culture. So like Unicon feels, and you brought this up, where it's like it feels very old school in a way, like really traditional, like a like a typical like corporation in the sense that like you know the hierarchy is very clear. Everyone is like ultra professional you know people are wearing these like suits there's board rooms everyone has separate offices there's a lot more it's like over expressions of their wealth you know like through not only their like nice offices but the, like the clothes the they have nice cars all of these things and when we get to borrow it's It seems to skew um, younger, like there's a lot more younger people working there. Um, Everyone is dressed more casually. It's like, you know, and people kind of, um, they come in and out of spaces to communicate with each other. So like Brian, who is um, ostensibly the CEO, uh, but he's mostly playing the ukulele and complaining about having to work. He's just, like, hanging out in a hammock, you know, like, in the hallway or whatever. Or he's, like, doing, like, playing AI down by, like, the picnic tables or something. So it's not like he is, like, higher up in some office somewhere, like, separated from everybody else. So there's, so they've tried to, like, construct these, like, scenes, these workplaces that feel like they're very, um, there's one that's, like, you know, quote, unquote, new. Mm -hmm. Or, like, you know, new school or something. But it's, it's kind of. Just, yeah, as we said, a different kind of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, like, from what Joe told me about uh like, the actual company that Borrow might be based on, they do require employees to take, like, mandatory, like, vacation, which I think is, like, it's, it is, like, a non-traditional approach in Korea or, like, in a lot of corporations to... So I think, like, a lot of tech companies, from my understanding, like, if you don't take your vacation, you can just get, like, paid out for them, right? So, like, no one's, like, asking you to take vacation versus, like, it's, like, this is a dynamic where, I mean, I don't know if this is clear for Borrow, but, like, I think that they want you to feel comfortable. They want you to, like, have fun at work. Like, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll probably also spend the night there, but, like, that is the, the veneer Um, And then we should also mention that part of the show is that, like, when Tammy goes into Barrow, she meets somebody there named Scarlett, who basically doesn't want her there. And part of the bargaining that is struck up um, for, like, the condition of, like, her being her boss there. Is that she will get Borrow to be the number one search engine because currently it's number two. So, like, Unicorn has been number one and Borrow has always been number two. And, like, Tammy will make it number one um, because I guess nobody wants to be number two. So, um, yeah. So, like, but then, like, no one ever brings this up ever again. No one ever talks about this whole, like, number one like as like the it wasn't the bargain or the negotiation that Tammy will make borrow number 1 within 6 months. But Scarlett doesn't really bring that up, right? So yeah.
1: No, I mean it does come up. It comes up in um in a few times, I think where, you know, there's the pressure that Tammy feels to have to like actually do this because she but even though it's kind of like you're not gonna lose your job like that's not gonna happen yeah. but I think it's almost it has more of a purpose in terms of um it's almost like a promise or some sort of like it's an indication of uh her relationship to Scarlet more than it is about her suc- like her professional success like it's kind of like I am promising to you that I am this is how loyal I'll be basically to, you know, rightfully suspicious of the fact that, um, you know, here's someone that's come from this um, competing search engine or search company. And it's like, uh, you know, what are your motives basically into this place? And I think that she wants to kind of prove her commitment to borrow by saying that like, I'm going to work super hard to like put it on top, basically, and, and that that's, like, it's not, not about... I don't know, it's, it's a funny thing, too, because I don't think that... Um, it's, like, I don't think that's that is like, totally against the fact that she might be doing it because she just wants to get back at Unicorn, but I do think that she, because of the kind of culture at borrow and this sort of feeling like it's a family or something, she also is a bit more concerned about, like, you know, you shouldn't come here just for like a basically for revenge, you know? Right.
0: So I think this is where we can sort of talk about like how, um, the, like we love this show on so many levels. I mean, there's only, re- like, there's only really women. This isn't like me or something where it's just all men. And then like some small, sad <sighs> girl in the corner. Right. Like impossible to watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like to be but, like, I don't think I'll watch it
1: again. It was, like, hard for me. I couldn't get into it because I just didn't care about that sad boy. I was like, I'm sorry, you have this other female character who's amazing. And again, we go back to the sad boy. And he, like, plays that sad game. And he does, like, it just was too much. It was too sad. It was too
0: sad. And, like, there's this one female character. And, like, she doesn't really get any outfit changes it's just like so many like navy suits again and again that is not this show you like only have you so you have these four you have three women so we kind of covered three of them um but there's really like four women we were like thinking that it's like a four tiered women show is how we would think of it and that they represent like kind of different routes and different options maybe like for the, like women as they navigate the workplace in a neoliberal capitalist society. Um, And so like we will go through them to sort of think about like each one, Um, but also because like their interactions are so interesting because I think because you don't have a lot of shows where where you, you have so many shows where there's, like, one woman, right? Like, you don't have a lot of, like, interactions between the women. And this show is, like, all about not only the interactions, but the power, power differentials. And then also, like, the violence, right? Without, like, it being, like, just women hating women. It's just, like, what are we going to do about the fact that, like, these are women, like, th- what are we going to do about this question of abuse? Like, what are we going to do about this question of violence? Like, what do we do about all of this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, we should say that it's amazing to have a show that's up about tech, that's just like all women, because we know that is not true No, career. Um, You know, and that it's not even a question, you know, here at all. Um, But that they, and that they are kind of like, it's not, and like, again, like, because of how it's written, it's like, all of these women um, are different stages, different jobs, there's never any kind of like, treatment as if they receive those positions, or they're in those positions, because they're anomalies or that they, like, didn't earn those positions. It's just like, yep, just every CEO is a woman. No problem. (laughs) And and I think that it is a refreshing thing when you don't have to spend so much time um, developing justification for their existence or their position. That you can just, like, get to another kind of, like, character development other kinds of narrative um or like different kinds of storytelling that i think was one of the things that we really responded to so you get such complexity because we didn't have to like waste you know four episodes like justifying why this woman exists and why she has the job that she does at all um and so there's so the the main characters are tammy tammy (laughs) <laughs> like, Tammy just feels sad as a name but yeah. okay <laughs> um, and uh, so she's the one that was from Unicorn, moves to Borrow um, Scarlet is around the same age as Tammy, but just like a little bit younger um, I think maybe, I feel like it's like less than a year younger or something but um, she has basically worked at Barrow, um I think for most of her adult life it seems um, but slightly less experienced uh, than Tammy is. Um, and then both Scarlett and uh, Tammy know um, Song, who is, what is her title? Is she director? She's executive director, director, I
0: thought. She's like basically one. Yeah, like once- executive
1: dir- director, director.
0: Yeah. She's executive director. She's one step below the CEO, so she's not the CEO of um, Unicorn, Unicorn, um, but she's like one step below. Song Kyle was was that her name? Kyle? Song Kyle. But like, yeah.
1: So and um and then I guess um and then of course there's her the evil. Mother-in-law. The evil uh, mother-in-law of KU group. Yeah. um, Who is significantly older, significantly scarier um, than everybody. But they all kind of have different, um, like, kind of past connections with each other. It turns out they all went to high school together, middle school, because this is a K-drama. We gotta have some of that, I guess. Um, But the... Uh, Scarlet and Song have like a friendship a long-standing friendship since high school but Tommy and Song have been um they've known each other for a number of years because they basically uh I don't they didn't start Unicorn together but but
0: they might they as really well like, they were like found but they, they might have they yeah. basically
1: like made it what it was yeah. you know and it's not. It's not clear if they like founded it, but I do think that they like were very like at the beginning of yes. that, and like really made it what it was. And it even developed um, this code of ethics, and it really indicates, I think, that like they have maybe came into um, they came into this field in a particular kind of way, believing certain things, and they their paths at a certain point started to diverge. and
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, and I think, and that also reflects um, the deterioration of their friendship as well.
0: So we should also say, perhaps it's obvious, but the queer lesbo overtones are just so, there's so much potential. Like there's like a scene where Scarlett and Kayong are essentially like, it's like so clear that there's something that they're feeling or like I actually thought they were going to kiss. I was like, are they going to kiss now? Like she like Scarlet, like looks at her with this kind of like um, desire that I actually think you don't really get in K-drama. There's also several scenes where like they're just like sleeping over, which is like innocent but also, maybe not. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's all, it's very clear that, like, what's, and, like, Tammy a few times um, is about to cry. And the thing that she's upset about is the fact that her relationship with Kayong is, like, just not, it's just, like, every time she's, like, I think this is the end of our friendship. And it's, like, you said that, like, two episodes ago, you know, but, like, this is the thing that really eats her up. Um, Even though like all of them are sort of more or less linked to other men in various ways, various holograms, like it's Mm -hmm. very clear that it's either like this potentially queer relationship or just like the strong intimacy of female friendships that drive these women's lives, which like honestly just feels a lot more accurate. (laughs) Like it's just a lot more accurate of an assessment, I think, of like, both workplace stuff but also just like women's lives.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that they like it's really you know, the work the work drama is feels very realistic and it's like it's thing and all these things that are going on. And, but I I think that you get such a nice um, nice balance in terms of like what drives these characters, you know, and like, and they do want to be successful and they are professional and they are, you know, all of these things are good at their jobs, but they also like, I think they do them in part because they also have like such commitment or dedication to these relationships, like these female relationships, actually, you Mm -hmm. know, like, I think that the things, when things go wrong, it's like, you know, it's so upsetting to tell me because her friend—it's like she's disappointed in her friend, you know—and yeah. and it doesn't mean that she like kind of wastes this time in a way of like letting it distract her from her job. But I think she's like this is the part that bothers me the most. It's like it's not even that this company is going to fail or that we've lost all these shareholders or blah blah blah. It's like that you're kind of a shitty person and I'm friends with a shitty person, <laughs> you know, and I don't like, that's the part that upsets me. Cause I remember you when you weren't shitty mm-hmm. and, and I think, and you know, going back to like the, the kind of goal that was set for Barrow, it's like that was more about, you know, her commitment to her friendship, to Scarlett and trying to like prove that she could like earn, earn that friendship more than it was that, you know, this was, like, she had to make this company work or something.
0: Yeah, and I will say that, like, I think that part of the um, conflict in the show in terms of the friendship for, like, all of the women is, like, the potential change in Kayong. Like, so, like, Scarlett and Tammy are very much committed to some abstract notion of, like, internet justice or, like, internet ethics. And, like, it comes up sort of again and again that, like, Kayong is not. Kyong is, like, kind of more involved in, like, the vested interest of KU group. Meaning that she's, like, involved in corruption. She's involved in, like, this kind of, like, you know, she's just basically not interested in, like, internet ethics. Like, what is that? Like, she's, that's not what she's doing. But I I think that part of the tension that Tammy and Scarlett are feeling half the time is like wondering how much does the workplace change you as like a woman, as a person, as a friend. We have four women, very, very different, on very different trajectories. And like, they are really interested. I I think that in particular, they're all interested in Song yong in particular in different ways. But, like, Scarlett and Tammy are really worried about the fact that, like, the business has changed her for the worse, right? So, like, working in a corporation in tech has changed her for the worse. And the evil mother-in-law, the CEO of KU, is worried that working has essentially made her less obedient, maybe, or, like, less easy to control, um but we we like did want to talk about how like you know how like the four of them really represent the kind the very various different kinds of powers and conflicts and routes like scarlet is a little bit less experienced, and I think that she really brings the voice of like what's like the most ethical, the most just thing to do, versus like Kim was bringing up that like tammy's like realistic really like she's like the realist um kayong is like a little bit more of like a corporate drone where like she sort of does she's like senior management she's like okay of going with the flow and the ceo of ku represents like hard power like hard violent power and like I guess it's something we could talk about if later is like, do we think it's different when it comes from a woman? Like, how is it different when it comes from a woman? Are you interested in it in it being like that kind of how hard power being um, controlled, shared, utilized by a woman, or are you not? I don't know.
1: I mean, I think it's like really worth. Um, delving into that because you know it's it's really number one it's like really amazing to think about these characters as they exist but not because they are in relationship to a man in any way I mean men you know men are basically holograms as you know on the show but that in the same way you know the evil stepmother um, CEO you know it's we ask ourselves about like, is it different when it's a woman or a man, but it's like, it's so, it's, it's like what she does is so different too, that it's like, it's not because it's, it's not like she is just like enacting the same kind of like violence or like the wielding the power in the same way that a man would, but just in a female form, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think that that is often how we see, that expression as if it's like, well, women can be just as evil, you know? And they're like, but they're only evil in the same way that men are evil. It's like, that's not actually true. And I think that what we get with her is so interesting because of the precision of her power and how she actually, um, how she expresses it is, you know, through like varying degrees of manipulation, varying degrees of like, I mean, like physical and emotional manipulation, you know, I think she is, you know, she's ruthless. She's absolutely ruthless, but she doesn't like, I don't know, it's like, it's a different kind of, it's a different kind of violence versus like the brutality that we often see um, men enact when they're in these kinds of positions. And it's not simply as if she just took on, you know, that role in order to like express that she has power. Um, I think she she definitely uh, is more committed to a kind of psychological abuse Working. and psychological yeah. warfare, as you can tell by um, her, you know, her daughter-in-law. And I think that, like, it's the kind of, like, wearing down, you know, that happens, that you can see that after, like... Um, you know, when they, try, they try to humanize this character a bit more because I think initially in the beginning you're kind of like, oh, she's so awful, you know, and like, and but you kind of start to see also that like 10 years of abuse at the hands of this evil stepmother or this evil mother-in-law, um, you start to see how she starts, you know, it's like these reproductions of abuse. And that's truly like the success of um, the evil the evil like mother-in-law right is that like now you have someone that is like replicating this behavior that, that's actually kind of ideal in a way for her
0: yeah i mean so like this mother-in-law is like i don't think we've ever seen a character like her though i don't think we've seen any characters like any of them like they're because there's nobody makes this like corny speech about how hard it is for women and how like you know like <laughs> to be in the workplace or like also there are no mothers except for like bad like as in like none of them are like working moms and i don't say this as like a diss to like working parents but it's like this is a show where all of the parents are older and like literal leeches and vampires of their children like they're like part of Song like backstory is like her parents also had a business that like completely failed like maybe it was also kind of like as big as a conglomerate and part of why she became so manipulated by her mother-in-law is because in order to bail out her parents her mother-in-law was essentially like you're my dog now so like this like expression becomes why like It's just like, it's like on repeat. She's like, but I thought you were my bitch because I bailed out your parents. And it's not like her parents ever say like, ooh, thanks, daughter. Like, thank you for devoting like all of your life to being a good daughter. They're like, they show up entitled. They show up angry. They're like, you need to bow the fuck down to this woman for saving our lives. And it's like, at some point, it is very delusional, literally, because the par- it's not like it's not like they're not rich right like so like her parents don't want to hold on to just wealth like they want to hold on to some notion of power and glory that they don't have and so like other than older parents like that who do things like that or the mother-in-law who like abuses everybody like none of these women have children which is like maybe accurate of like korea you know like the yeah
1: I mean, I, maybe we didn't mention too, it's like, they're all, they're all like fully actualized. This is not like, you know, they're all just starting out in their careers. It's like, they're all in their late thirties, you know, it's not like out of the realm of possibility that they would be of an age where they would have children. You know, it's like, they're very, it's very clear about like the choices that they have made and why they have made them, why, um, several of them are like not like unmarried Why they choose to stay unmarried. It isn't even like, it doesn't even really come up either that they like don't have children. It's not like there's an ex again, like in this universe, it's not like anyone says to them, well, didn't you ever want to have a baby? Yeah. It's like, no one asks them that. Nobody, nobody
0: asks, but also like no one asks, so they don't have to defend. And like, instead we Received the first clear articulation from Tammy. So, like, Kim and I were talking about how, like, we've watched Something in the Rain, we've watched Hyena, we've now seen several shows that feature women in their late 30s to late 40s that date younger men, but like the relationship is not really about marriage. They don't really get married. It's just like older men who are da- older women who are dating younger men or older women who are dating in general. Um, But, like, the conversation around, like, why is there no marriage? Is there marriage? Like, what is your stance? Like, hasn't really come up. This is the first show where, like, we receive a very clear articulation from Tammy where, like, we find out that she had a very serious boyfriend. And they broke up because he wanted to get married and she did it. And then eventually she, like, articulates. She's, like, she has a very clear articulation that she's not interested in the law intervening into her personal life and this also becomes a cause of friction in her relationship with this 28 year old hologram
1: <laughs> um who's very adorable super very attractive cute.
0: look best that's
1: why he's a hologram
0: <laughs> he is a, totally such a dreamboat because he's 28 super eager to please and super emotionally intelligent. <laughs> he's, like, the most emotionally intelligent. I don't know what, like, some of the dudes who've been on our show would say, but, like, really, by far, the most emotionally intelligent.
1: dude, though, but maybe he's a hologram. We don't know.
0: <laughs> I know. He literally disappears, and then he just, like, <laughs> appears sometimes to, like, you know, looks sad. He's, like, a sad, injured bird who, like, exists to, like, be, like, don't you want to hang out with me now? Because, like, you know, maybe you should eat some ice cream or something. Um oh, But, yeah, they eventually I- have a conflict about marriage, and she essentially articulates something that's not corny. It's just, like, not corny. It's not, like, you know, I, whatever. It's just, like, she has a pretty i think like pretty radical articulation of like why what does it mean to have like the law like and i think you put it really well around like what is the law and safety
1: mhm i mean because in you know when she starts dating this hologram she's very resistant to it um, because of their age difference. They're 10 years apart. And, you know, she basically is like, where is this going to go? You know? And eventually, though, they, you know, they give into it because they just want to spend time with each other. And, um, but she's like incredibly, you know, resistant for a really long time. And then it kind of comes up at a certain point in which uh, it's clear that he is very interested in getting married. And, she already knows about herself that she does not. And she's sort of like, well, this is just like a waste of time because one of us is going to have to lose. Like you think that I'm going to change. You want to stay in this relationship because you think I'm going to change. And then I'll suddenly, you're the one that will change me into believing that I want to get married or you become unhappy because you decide that you won't get married because you want to be with me. Um, And so she's like, why like, you know, we shouldn't kind of continue this. And, he kind of, he's not, you know, it's like, we've seen more annoying versions of this for sure, but I think he tries to like suppress it and like say that it's not a big deal, but then eventually like it comes up, you know, again. And, um, and he has his own reasonings for it, but I think he talks about how, and this is probably rooted in the fact that of his childhood where he was, um, he was abandoned and put up for adoption. Um, and, I think so he talks about marriage as being something because it's within the law it provides a kind of safety and security and validation to the relationship and and she has a real problem that that is like that that shouldn't be intervening into her relationship but it, it's this really interesting moment in which you know he says it like but don't you want that and she says that it's a real problem that she's the only one in this relationship where she has to explain her position. You know, it's like, why is it the default is she's like marriage is the default and that's truth. And that's what actually she has a problem with. It's like, it's not even the fact that they have differing positions on it. She's like, it's the fact that I have to be the one to have to explain myself when, why shouldn't you explain why marriage makes sense? Why shouldn't you have to come into this relationship and do, you know, be the one to have to say like, why this is like worth doing in some way, and so, and then he, it, you know, and that basically kind of shuts him up because he's like, hmm, "Going to take in. <laughs> and, Um and it, you know, I, they ultimately don't really resolve it um, for a variety of reasons. But I think that it is a very interesting thing about this relationship to law in this way, and that, and that for her, it's like, why would you trust it? And for him, it provides security, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. protection.
0: And like all of the all of the Oliver women on this show, they just like have they're so they're strong in really different ways, you know. And I think that that that's the other thing that was like just really exciting. It's like you have Tammy, who's like she's subtle but like assertive, right? Like she's really thought about a lot of the things that like that she wants and like Kim said like right before we started uh recording that like she's really outcome driven so even this like even the way that she's approaching this like relationship with the you know the our hologram is like really like well if this is the outcome if we already know the outcome like why go through the process of it so like everything is just very like it's like this kind of like almost like um jarring matter-of-factness that, like, I think is usually associated with, like, masculinity. But, like, mm. it's really not. Because in in the way that it manifests in her, it's almost like what she has become to really survive. But also, like, the way that she just understands the world. I don't even know if that's different. Is that different from masculinity? I don't know. But, like, yeah. Like, that's her character construction. Versus, like,
1: yeah well i mean i do i think that it's um it's different than what we understand as masculinity because uh i think that the way she expresses it i think it's often framed as if you know as if she's like it's not like like she's cold and unfeeling or something and it's like it's not that she doesn't have feelings or like she doesn't have some sort of emotion that's like attached to some of these things but i think because of how um quick she is sometimes to be like, it's not going to work out, you know, and I think one of the one of the best examples of that is actually um, using her as an example, you know, like when her name ends up on the in the search, the top searches and, you know, her life is kind of like in turmoil for several days because there's this whole scandal around a celebrity who attempted suicide and they um, somebody fabricated basically uh this search um search keyword um to attach her to this as if they had some sort of illicit affair and and that you know they you know scarlet is like you need to clear your name like you should you should like basically make a statement or do these things to like clear your name and she's like if i do that then that's this is just going to happen no and like basically like and it's like she recognizes that outcome even though it's, like, one that hurts her in the end. So it's not its not as if she's just, like, this kind of person who is, like, by any means necessary, I'll get to the end, mm-hmm. which I think makes it a bit different than a kind of masculinity somehow.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then also, like, Scarlett, who, like, Kim has nicknamed her rage girl, because, like, <laughs> you know, her background story is, like, she used to be, like, a judo like a competitive judo person. I think she was
1: like basically before she, she got injured, mm-hmm. um, but she was primed to be like a national athlete or something.
0: So she's physical, you know, I mean, she's beautiful, but like she's like, she, she literally shows up to situation. Her, her background story is that she has a criminal record for beating <laughs> up a guy who assaulted her in the elevator but like after he assaulted her she assaulted him so hard that, like <laughs> that due, to, due to the legal system that Tammy is so suspicious of <laughs> they gave her like they, 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 they charged her with physical assault I don't think they charged him with sexual assault so you know but like she's like she's not ashamed of this you know like after she finds out like her boyfriend was cheating on her, she's like, I don't care if I get another like I don't care if I get another charge like this is like this, this beat down is happening. So like <laughs> yeah. you know, like she, she really shows up to places like ready to like actually get physical. But I think that this is then translated as just kind of like the raw energy she lives with. Like she's just a very like she does things with her whole body like she has like 100 percent of her energy into it. And she's not as outcome-driven. She's, like, a lot more process-based. And she's she does things because she's interested in, like, being inside of that space, which is a very different kind of, like, strength, but, like, also, like, really just had, was really nice to watch, like, throughout the show, I think. Like, she brought that kind of, like, energy to the the presence of the, the space of, like, the women, right? Where she's like,
1: mm-hmm. Well, I think it's because she isn't she's very instinctual, you know, and I think that she, like, really um, just, like, trusts her gut in a kind of way that is, I think, you know, for Tammy, it's, like, she's, like, so practical and so realistic and, like, two steps ahead, and for the Unicorn, um, basically everyone at Unicorn, it's, like, calculated, you know, and I think that Rage Girl is a lot more, like, no, this is, like, this is wrong and I'm dealing with it now, mm-hmm. you know, or, or really trust her god that like, this is going to be a problem and like, you know, tries to like flag things right away because she, it gives her a bad feeling, you know, she's like, this is, this is not right. And I don't always know exactly why, but I just know this is like bad news, you know, yeah. and I, I do think that that's, it's like, I think it speaks to also like different intelligences or like different knowledges or something that's happening with these different characters as well like i think that she sometimes acts before thinking but sometimes that's necessary
0: yes you know absolutely um i mean versus the kaiong at unicorn i don't actually really i don't i don't know what her strength is now that i think about it like definitely (laughs) is like i mean so like It's It's not
1: clothes. She doesn't
0: look good. Yeah, there's, like, some weird fashion thing happening with her character because at first she's, like, for five episodes, she just looks, like, bonkers. Like, she looks like – like, she – I don't know. It's, like, almost like she's a caricature of, like, an older woman who's just, like, trying out – trying to look a little younger. You know, like, blue sunglasses with, like, slicked back hair – but then they just, like, make her sad-looking and, like, a, a lot of, like, beige and, like, khaki and stuff. So, yeah. But, like, I think more than her power and her strength, like, um, you see, like, in the CEO this sort of, like, both the willingness to be abusive psychologically but also this kind of... um ruthlessness like you said of to maintain that position of power and then the thing that I wanted to bring up is that like she's also our sole artist every the whole everything is <laughs> about tech but like we get one artist you know <laughs> what
1: an artist
0: <laughs> I mean she's like essentially like a sociopath like she yes.
1: yeah there's like a scene there's like a, <laughs> there's like I, I guess to further narrate just like how intense and extreme she is, how powerful she is. She like draws, she has a lot of like figurative drawings and like figurative paintings. And at one point, we see her tattooing a shirtless man <laughs> like, like one of her drawings. Yeah. Because canvases don't bleed and she needs to yeah
0: she like her assistant or someone is like oh are you why are you not using a canvas and she's like well they don't react and i'm like who are you like santiago sierra like you're like a <laughs> neoliberal artist or something like you are just like you're a torture artist essentially like she's like torturing people like um and like part of like the one very fascinating interaction she has with kayong is like You know, she doesn't do something the way that that this, like, CEO grandmother wants. Um, Nobody's cuddly, by the way. There are no cuddly (laughs) elderly people. There are no wise older people. I think, like, that is really important. Like, none of the parents are wise. Tammy, we don't even know if she has parents, actually. Like...
1: We know mm nothing about her family life.
0: (laughs) We just, like, know how much she works, how outcome-driven she is, and... About all the relationship issues that she's had because she's like really non-committal, super distant, yes. Yes. you know, <laughs> avoidant detacher is how the the <laughs> she might be analyzed in like the like the psychological attachment arena, right? She's just like, what? Ah, no, can't attach, can't attach. Um, but we don't, we literally don't know anything about her parents and this is kind of important because we know everything about her holograms parents, like yeah. about like the Korean woman who abandoned him and put a him a professor. Up for- yeah.
1: <laughs> she, and she's
0: like, what a fucking bitch. Okay. Like, <laughs> let's just call it what it is. Like she's like, because, okay. And this is like no disrespect to all of the women who like were are, like, put into these situations where there's, like, economic hardship and, like, they feel like they have to make this decision. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that, like, this woman, like, basically becomes a professor, is reunited with her son, and won't introduce him to anybody in her life. Won't see him in any other space other than office hours. Like, he literally visits her at the university during office hours. So, like, when she dies, there's this whole scene where he's crying, where he's like, I never got to do anything with her. Never got to go see a movie with her. He can't even really go to her funeral because he doesn't know how to introduce himself. It's, like, so much abandonment in his life.
1: I mean, it's so... That was so sad. It was so incredibly sad. Because he was like, you know, and how he found out about her death was through the news, like the search engine just had said, you know, that there was a car accident and this professor had passed away and he recognized her name because who would, who would call her or who would call him, you know, to let him know that this had happened. And, and she is like, she saved him in her phone contacts as like student, or whatever, which was, like, extra, you know, demoralizing and sad for him. Um, But also that she, I mean, he doesn't, uh, I think his, like, his adopted parents locate her when he is 20. So, you know, this is, like, an adult, you know, like, obviously not, like, you know, his frontal cortex or whatever is still developing, but an adult enough. It's not like he showed up and he's, like, a child, You know it's like he's an adult who wanted to meet you also as an adult you know and and they do you know and they have obviously like they keep in touch to some extent but i think that's the part that's like really upsetting right where it's like he as an adult doesn't actually really need anything from you other than for you to like treat him with like a mutual respect you know and like you can't even go out for coffee with him and it's just like this transference of shame that she still has about what had happened. And, and it's it takes until, um, like, basically their last interaction before she passes away that he, like, they're e- able to even talk about what had happened, you know, in this way. and And it's just, like, I think it's just really upsetting because, again, like, you're an adult. Your current family are basically all adults. And you can't tell them. You just, like, can't tell them that this, like... You know? And that, and truly, like, he really doesn't need it. Like, he actually gives her money. You know? Like, he, like, gives her money to, like... Because he just, like, wants to help support her or whatever. But she's a professor. She's fine. You know? He She gives him money or whatever. And it's, like... It's not like he's, like... There's in any way any type of dependency, actually. Like... And he still seems to have, like, a decent relationship with his adopted parents. It's not... It's not as if, like, he, and as we've said, he's a very, like, emotionally adjusted, actually, hologram. So I think that's, like, extra, like, a sign of, like, um, the mother's, like, terribleness and kind of emotional immaturity around this, where it's, like, wow, your abandoned offspring has more awareness about what this, like, this whole thing was than you do, and that's sad.
0: I mean, and I think maybe, like, it's exciting for us when we watch a show that doesn't like glorify the parents or like you know make them into these pious holy creatures but like it was intense all of the parents any parent featured on the show was just a terrible parent like you have the holograms Korean mother who like continues to keep him a secret like he's like this you know, like, he's a secret, right? Like, how humiliating for him to, like, there's a scene where he, like, sees how his name pops up on her phone, and it's just, like, for him to, like, watch his name pop up as, like, Morgan Student or something, right? Versus, like, when her son calls, it says, like, son, right? Like, so, like, I think, like, you see, like, that kind of this, like, endless abandonment that he's, like, and facing and then kayong's parents who are like literally okay have become accustomed to and entitled to her abuse so that they can maintain their socio like or not even socio like their social status as like people who are in charge of a large company to like her mother-in-law who's essentially like the only way a conglomerate can succeed is if it, like, eats all of the young or something. And then that's it, you guys. Like, there's no other parent. All of the all the people who are older are just, like... They're literally there to plot your death or abandon you.
1: Well, and I don't feel as though anyone... I'm trying to think of, like, I don't think there's a character that's obedient, though. You know, which is actually also great, because often we'll see, you know, the person that is disobedient is considered, like, this, like, the one that's, you know, the one stray child or something. But actually, it's, like, almost every character in the show in some way is kind of, um, if they're not abandoned then they're disobedient to Mm -hmm. that, which is great, I think. Um, But like, you know, the, so the evil, the evil CEO um, mother, her son, um, I think, you know, we haven't really talked about him. He is the youngest son um, and therefore basically useless to her actually the only value he had was that he was able to marry this woman who was in charge of the search engine. So his value was also just like by staying married to this woman um, in order for the evil mom to kind of still have something over her. And, and I think he recognizes that too. And like, he does his best, even though he like, he knows that he doesn't really have anything to like leverage against his mother but he also was like well i could divorce her though and that's what i can do in a way to like protect her or whatever
0: and so we should also mention that he is he might be considered successful because he's like a film director or film produ- he's a film producer he has like a film company or something
1: yeah so I it's not
0: like right. he's like um you know pixie like he's not like unemployed and just kind of like wandering around collecting globes and like maps like the heir (laughs) of johnson and johnson like i mean like like i whatever not that work makes you productive but like he like he has some kind of he has his own company but the his mother makes it really clear i mean she tells him up front there's like a scene where she's like i don't know you have no use to me like yeah. She's like, I don't care about your film, whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, that yeah, does no- nothing for me. Like, yeah, <laughs> she weird. literally says to him, "You do nothing for me. Your wife does something for me." Because, like, basically, she's saying, like, you can't divorce her because you have no function to me. Your wife has a function, and like, your function to me is to like be loyal to me. And so, like, that's a scene where we were. I was just like, wow, this is like such a. Such an interesting show where like every single every single parent is just like actually this is they're not interested in their children's well-being. They're interested in what their children can do for them. Mm-hmm. And like they refuse to even think about the possibility of them eventually needing to step down to like grow older to mature it's like they're like this is my power i'm gonna hold on to it i'm never gonna die
1: cool and that's so i mean you know if we want to talk about like reproduction in terms of lineage but like reproduction for power you know it's like this is just like sad you know like you only had you basically like you had these children just so that you could stay in power yes like that was it right like that was it it's not because you love them and there's a lot of like this kind of um i don't want to say it's like a complete misunderstanding i guess i kind of think it is (laughs) um of what love actually is but they are just like they they talk a lot though about like this is just like business you know and their relationships like having these children are basically just like it's about business interactions. It's like, she only had these kids probably so they could get married and like, she could, you know, create business partnerships with other conglomerates and other like politicians and other, you know, whoever that she could then leverage for her own, her Mm -hmm. own status and her own position. And it has nothing to do with like happiness. It has nothing to do with like, even, I don't know. Like it, it isn't even in this way where it's like um, the kind of guilt of like, You know you need to do this because you're going to be the head of this corporation someday like she doesn't even say stuff like that it's like no no no, this is about me it has nothing to do with you there's just like there's no there's no pretending that that's what it is there's no element of sacrifice on behalf of any parents at all
0: yeah and and in fact the sacrifice is all the children the sacrifice like it's 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 like all of the children are parentified children and, like, all of them are actually a lot more mature and ethical than their parents. And it's, like, and they're the only ones that they that have been sacrificing. And, in fact, like, the conflict seems to be, like, they themselves feel like they had to be sacrificing. So, Kyle definitely felt like she should have been, I mean, she was, like, beholden for 10 years. Like, you know, she was, like, the sacrificial lamb for 10 years. And, like, her... Like, the, the husband also, until, like, the moment, like, they divorce. And, like, we should probably talk about, like, the absurdity of their marriage and divorce in some other episode. The 15 episodes that we could do about this. But, yeah, like, the parents are not there to sacrifice, like, at all. This is a completely a fantasy. They, they construct it as, like, a fantasy that, like, has to be dismantled. And it's the children that are doing this. And it's not even... It's not even like the, that they're sacrificed. They're just, like, abused, like, constantly under the banner of sacrifice and love. And so I think that the fact that they none of them have children, I don't think that that's a coincidence, right? Like, I mm-hmm. think, like, I think in some strange way, like, you know, Kayong, like, Says very consistently like my dream is to disappear like she says it's like four times she's like my dream is to disappear and tammy's like i'm not gonna get married this doesn't mean that she's not gonna have children but like it doesn't really ever come up you know like that stuff just doesn't come up so i think that like even though these are really strong women it's like they're not on the path that the the generation right above them took which is about a reproduction of heteronormativity that mm-hmm. then was only for the maintenance of that particular generation benefits. Mhm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they like don't really um I think that the way that they sort of like deal with these relationships like I think that they just like have this awareness i think about not only not wanting to like kind of perpetuate type of like cycle of abuse but also not interested in generating liabilities in a way right like that's kind of what children are in mm. this kind of context um but that they i think that maybe there's something in there too about relationship to work and the output of like their work being something that is more that they're interested in like I feel like that like code of ethics is like the closest thing to a child (laughs) yeah you know in a way that that's like that is what we like birthed and will like and that is the thing you know it's not it's not about um I don't think any of them seem to have these like yeah, these, like, ambitions to, like, say that, like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be at the top of this, and we're gonna, like, I don't even think Tammy's, like, I want to be the CEO, like, I don't think she even, it doesn't really even come up, you know, um, this kind of thing, and I think in that way, it's also quite different in terms of, like, the hierarchy, um, or what they imagine kind of hierarchy to be is a bit different.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so before we end, we do have to talk about the only male CEO and then also the internet, right? So, like, Kim, do you want to tell us?
1: Oh, yeah, Brian. I mean, we don't know really why Brian exists in this universe. It's initially because he was so... Useless. I was like, "Does he exist to troll men?" <laughs> like, and this is like male CEOs. Am I right? You know, like they're just like playing the ukulele and they're, you know, making jokes about AI and, you know, they're basically like everyone else. Basically, only women are just doing all the work for you. Like, yeah, we get it. Ha ha. But then I think that like, you know, Brian comes out to be more of a mentor. And like everyone, kind of turns to him, and it beca- that he steps down because of a scandal, um, in which he had made a call to like he basically you know put the company before Tammy, mm-hmm. um, and internally everyone knew that's what happened, um, and he like chose to bury it, you know, and so then when it comes out, he like resigns and, um. And then everybody at the company like writes a letter and they're like, Brian, come on, You're amazing. And there's a, there's a point towards the end, um, where, uh, the interim CEO and the other CEO at Unicorn is like, uh, and, um, our evil, evil mother-in-law, um, they're kind of in cahoots about, you know, um, you know, basically paving the way for government censorship, um, and surveillance and like getting access to private users information. And, um, you know, when Tammy and Scarlett find out about it, they want to stop it and they don't have a lot of time to do it. And so they try to block, um, the interim CEO, whose name is Kevin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's like this kind of powerful scene, you know, where they are like standing there and they're like, they like hold hands and they're just like, we know this is like basically a pathetic attempt, but we're going to do it anyway because it's all we can do is just like, stop you from coming in today. And we don't know what happens tomorrow, but this is all we can do. Um, and you know, it's like this powerful moment where they're like coming together to stop something. And then like fucking Brian comes in, <laughs> you know, and like, the revolving doors and his hair is slicked back and he's wearing a suit and everyone is like, Oh, thank God. Brian is here. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh I'm like, God. we did not watch this show for like 14 episodes or whatever the fuck it was for this fucking ukulele to come and save the day. It was so upsetting. I was like, are you kidding? And so then he shows up and then Kevin is kind of like backs off because Brian's like, not today, Kevin. And that's it? And I was just like, what the fuck? I don't understand why we spent so many episodes constructing this universe, this fantastic universe, in which men are holograms for Brian to have to be the one to get that save, which I am just like, I'm suspicious. I feel like maybe somebody, there's like a higher up at a studio somewhere that all <laughs> that like, you know, I'm like, I don't have my conspiracy theory, but I'm like, I think that someone was like, we gotta give Brian something. You know, like a redemption moment. And I just, like, feel like that was really unnecessary.
0: Because I cannot be stressed enough that, like, there are so many screenshots that Kim and I have. Where, like, every <laughs> scene he's in for 14 episodes, he literally shows up with his ukulele and he's like, why am I here? <laughs> Oh, I guess I'll just go back home. Or he, like, makes up a little song where he's like, I don't want to work and it's only Monday and Tuesday. I'll also not want to work. It was a literal work. song. It was exactly- her- You think I'm making this up, but I'm not. And, like, there's, like, another scene where he's just like, I don't want to be here. I just want to be home. Like, he, like, literally has, like, four, like, every single scene. It's just, like, him, like, like Kim is saying, trolling men. He's literally there to be like I don't want to be here and then all of a sudden he like is like the savior and we're just like come on like somebody was messed with because this is not the creativity that we've been working with for all of these episodes and also like I don't know I could have even lived with like a little bit if it if it like I would have rather accepted the corruption and the surveillance of everybody in this fictional show over Brian saving the day. <laughs> Whatever. <That's> more realistic. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, okay?
1: Well, I think that because of it it's like it's just it's so unnecessary. Yeah. It is so unnecessary. It's like Unicorn like top down is entirely women. No one questions it in this universe. I don't understand why. For like, when you have the, you know, the company, the search engine that is the one that is more ethical, the one that is like more fun, the the good one, the good one. That one is the one that is run by a man. Like, but are you maybe, it, me?
0: <laughs> but maybe it's because it's not the good one. Mm, right. It's definitely not the good one. Um, before I mean, they're
1: both they're both terrible. They're
0: both terrible. All of it is terrible. No one's a co-op, but the women are so cute. It's true. I mean, just Tammy and Scarlett, and like yeah. our little hacker.
1: I love our little
0: hacker. Our hacker is the best. Jenny is that the hacker's
1: name? Jenny's the hacker. Yes. Jenny's the hacker.
0: Um, before we end, we should probably touch on well, we should either touch on terrible parents again or the internet, depending on how many episodes of this we want to do. <laughs> But to preview a little bit more of the things that we want to talk about.
1: Yes. I mean, we're going to talk more about Terrible Parents. We're not done. We're not done with Terrible Parents because it's going to come up again um, and again and again because it's just Korean dramas.
0: <laughs> but also, I think, like, the Terrible Parents will be a way for us to continue to talk about her Tammy's relationship with the hologram, which we really didn't talk about very much.
1: Yes. We'll delve more into their specific relationship, um, including again, uh, why we just don't believe in childhood first loves as well. Boo. Um, Boo. Not a thing. Nobody remembers anybody at 15. That's not real. Um, And I think uh, we'll delve more into also, I think, Scarlett's relationship with um, her beautiful idiot who is, like, 22 and an actor. Basically, we're just going to talk about how these women just, like, priyanka their lives, and <laughs> we're fine with it. So. Um,
0: and then we will also do a full episode where we talk about the internet, because that is the main, you know that's the main business that's being sold here and how like this really conjured up this like 90s fantasy of like the egalitarian space of the internet where like it's a space of like community that you come to um that's about freedom um and it's almost like it's these companies are like just grappling with questions of surveillance in 2019, right? So it's, like, the show is, like, really strange because, like, it's really, like, conjuring up, like, the fantasies of the 90s with that, where, like, surveillance isn't really a mechanism yet versus, like, we know at this point that, like, all of this is surveyed at all times. Mm-hmm. But I do think, like, the the passion that, like, Scarlett and Tammy work with in, in really protecting, like, the internet ethics that they believe exist is something to think about because like it is definitely a marker of like the fantasy of the internet of like what is what could it have been why did people get so excited and like you know it really did feel almost like a utopia utopic like revisioning right like would it have been possible to prevent the kind of amped up surveillance or like this sort of like the mass surveillance that exists everywhere now. Um, and and what, if it could have been, would it have been just the women who wrote this manifesto? <laughs> they have I, a manifesto. I
1: love revisionist history. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that it is a, I think it's like a, even though this is like a 2019 story that you're like, I can't believe we're only thinking about surveillance now. I do think that this is, from, you know, especially living in San Francisco, this, like, push and pull that people still have about, like, greater good or something. And Mm -hmm. these, like, kind of... These, like, white liberal tech people who believe they are doing this kind of good work at the end of the day. And that they still buy into it, even if they don't believe in, like, the internet as, like, complete utopia. Mm -hmm. I think that they, like there's a lot of lies that you tell yourself (laughs) that like the world needs this app because it's going to help you know this person be able to do this or something yeah and I think that that is something that comes up in the show too that like on the one hand you know in the very first episode you can see that Tommy is like like incredibly skeptical you know when she's being interrogated and they're like saying like the internet is a free place. And she's just like, is it, (laughs) Yeah, you know, and she knows it to not be true, but at the same time still has like some type of, um, yeah. Like this, like internet ethics code that she still believes in in some way. And so I think that that kind of, um, conflict, internal conflict is one that still exists around tech and whether it's like something that can be, I don't know, redeemed or something. Um, So that's like, yeah, we'll get more into that.
0: Yes. And we'll talk more about the fashion because it's kind of lovely.
1: It's great.
0: I mean, great. two two out of four characters anyway. Great. <laughs> I mean, we will talk about why the two were great and why the other two were like, what is happening? You know, but um, yeah, like there's so much to talk about. So we're so excited to do at least two more. We'll
1: do two more, yeah. right? Okay. Oh, yeah. I feel like we've barely scratched
0: the surface. I know. I'm like, I can't believe we have to end. But like, we can't be one of those podcasts that are like, I was like looking at some different podcasts and like, there was one that was like three hours. And I was like, is this what's happening in the pandemic? People are just recording like re- really long podcast episodes, you know, like. Is that
1: like a ASMR, like sleeping what? podcast? Like why is <laughs> it three hours?
0: It was like a comedian's podcast and I was like, this oh, is upset I don't
1: okay. no. yeah.
0: <laughs> I didn't listen to it. I just I made this observation and then that was it. But um we will be back. Thank you so much for joining us, and we are excited to talk to you next time. Yes. Thanks
1: so much. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.